At this time, I'd like to invite Natalie Wood up. She is our uh, youth director. And so one of the things that uh, we thought was really important is this is normally Confirmation Sunday. And so because of that, it's our practice and tradition that the youth director that works with our youth welcomes them in and has a special message for them uh, and, and for the rest of the church as well. And so we are trying to keep those pieces uh, normal that we can keep normal. And so we, uh, while we're going to reset the date for the, the physical profession of faith of our confirmands, uh, we're going to share a video with you in just a minute of, of them. Um, but today, uh, I want to thank Natalie for her good work. Uh, and we, I want to thank you as a church uh, as we continue to develop our staff uh, and share good words. And uh, as you may know, uh, Natalie uh, has a full-time big job at the Regional Food Bank and she ministers in so many ways. Uh, but I want to say thank you. Be praying for her as this is her first sermon here at Acts 2. She's preached other places. Um, but she's coming to you. And we talked about whether or not um, you know, we should we switch off. And she said, no, I can talk to a wall. So um, here she is. Uh, please welcome and pray for uh, Natalie Wood. So if you will please join me in our scripture reading this morning, it will be on your screen. It is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, and it starts with this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I'm going to say that again. We make a living by what we get, our paychecks, when people give things to us. We live off that. We make a living off of that, but we make a life by what we choose to give. I can't take credit for that. That comes from Winston Churchill, and it relates so closely with the scripture reading that we read this morning. As I read it, I can't help but face the truth that many of us are making a living, but we haven't quite figured out how to make a life. Like Pastor Mark mentioned, my name is Natalie Wood, and I am the youth director here at Acts 2, and I am so excited to be coming to your screen this morning. Thank goodness for technology, for keeping us and, and the Word of God alive um, through, through church this morning. As pa Pastor Mark mentioned, it might seem weird that we are continuing, um, this is the week four of our sermon series, The Walk, and, and it may seem weird that we've decided to continue down this path, but to us it's important. 
It's important for us to remember that a virus can't get between us and our normal life of church. So today we are, we are on week four. And if you've been following along with us, uh, you were at these, um, listening to these sermons. But if not, I'm going to tell you what weeks one, two, and three were. So we started with week one talking about prayer and worship. How do we pray to God and thank God for the life that we have? And how do we do that with us as an individual, but also us as a community, as a church? And how do we do that through worship? For week number two, we talked about the importance of study, of studying the Bible as an individual and being in small groups and, and Bible studies together as a group. In week number three, Pastor Mark talked about serving, how to help. Here I am, Lord, send me, use me. We talked about how you could do and serve our church, but also how you could serve our community, whether that be through Mills on Wheels or whatever you choose to do. And for week four, we're going to be talking about giving. Now, before we get started, I, I have to tell you I know what is going on in the world right now. I know that the stock market has just, and, and I have to tell you that, you know, my husband's a personal trainer. So right now, until at least through April 6th, half of his income, which was through training, is not coming in. I, I get it, and I want you to know um, that we don't come to this topic lightly this week. But brothers and sisters, if our faith relies solely on our money, then we have an issue. So this week, we are going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about giving during hard times and giving during better times and just and giving to the, the kingdom of God. Money. <sighs> have any of you ever fought over money? I have. My, my husband and I fight over money. My mom and dad are listening this morning, and let me tell you, they have fought over money. My sisters and their husbands have fought over, okay, let's just face it. At some point in our lives, we have all fought over money. But why do we allow this to happen? Why do we allow money to get between love, friends, and family? Money is a hard topic to talk about. Last week when Pastor Mark talked with us about serving, he said oftentimes when you go up to members of the church, they say, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to serve. I, I don't care what you do. Natalie, I am not going to help with the youth. I'm not going to do it. And they hide. Well, you know what? You should start to talk about a tithe with somebody in the church because it is just as scary if not. And I have to tell you, it's hard for us to talk about that too. I get it. We worked hard for that money. Some of us work multiple jobs to be able to have the money that we have, and we should be able to spend the money how we want to spend it. A few weeks ago, I told the youth, um, we were talking about loving yourself and how it's important to truly love who God created you to be. And I said, sometimes you just have to treat yourself. And, and sometimes you just have to go get a pedicure if you want a pedicure, and that's how we should spend our money is just on us. I get it. That's not always right. We hear this all of the time, but I think it's important for us to be reminded, and even so right now, is that the more money we have in our bank account doesn't mean that we live a happier life. I'm going to say this in a little bit of a different way, but the money that I have in my account, every time it grows, does not mean that the love and bond between my friends and my husband and I increases 
with that. It, that's just not how it works. So this week, I was doing a little bit of research for this sermon, and I came across MIT's living wage calculator. It's explained like this. It's a market-based approach that draws upon geographically specific expenditure data related to a family's likely minimum food, child care, health insurance, housing, transportation, and other basic need costs like clothing, personal care items, so on and so forth. So they take this living wage and um, they look at the effects of income and payroll taxes to determine the minimum employment earnings necessary to meet a family's basic needs, essentially where they could live a self-sufficient life. So I want you to take a moment, and 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 there's going to be a a question come up on your screen here. I want you to guess how long or how much it takes for a family of four, so this is two kids and two adults, to have a self-sufficient life in Oklahoma County, to live a self-sufficient life in Oklahoma County. I'm going to give you one, two, and this is the amount. $66,345 before taxes for a family of four to live a self-sufficient life in Oklahoma County. This shocked me. And let me tell you, it did not shock me because I think that $66,345 is a lot of money. It shocked me because I oftentimes fight with my husband. I don't have kids, but I oftentimes fight. We, we get in arguments together because I don't feel like we make enough money to live a self-sufficient life that we want. So I had to take a moment and pause and think about this. I live a very comfortable life. I have some conveniences in my life that just improve it. I literally have every kitchen appliance you can think of. I have a rice maker. I have a um, crock pot. And then I bought an instant pot. And they are the same thing. It's the same thing. I um, have two closets for my clothes. I have literally pushed my husband to this much closet space. And guess what? I use shampoo and conditioner from a salon. And that costs a lot more extra money. And so when I start to think about this, I realize that that is different. A self-sufficient life is different than the life that Natalie Wood is living in Oklahoma County. I think I know why we allow money to drive a wedge in our relationships and why we just clamp up, get all sweaty and defensive when someone starts to talk about it. This week I was in the car and I decided to make a switch from Air One to some country music because I grew up in Nowata, Oklahoma, which is in the northeastern part of the state, and I have some cowboy boots and we have some cows, and so sometimes I just like to you know, bring it, bring it on in. But um, I'm not going to sing this song because I'm a terrible singer, and I'm not going to say the words verbatim because we all know sometimes country songs have some great words in them. Um, but it, he, sang, he sang this song, and he said, I'm not rich, but I want to be. He said, I know money can't buy me happiness, but it can buy me a boat, and it can buy me a truck to pull it. And then he goes on and he shares about more things that money can buy. And I sit there and I imagine that he is about to have the best fishing trip ever. That money can't buy him happiness, but it can buy him a boat and a truck to pull it to create a little bit of happiness in his life at that time. 
So I hear this song, and I say, finally. Well, I said finally because I was driving. And, and, and I said, someone's finally admitting that we can't go to the store and say, yes, I'd like to buy a little bit of happiness here and a little bit of love there. But what we can do is we can go to the store and buy stuff that can make us a little bit happy. You've already heard me share about my closet and, and all of these things that I have, so I'm going to admit to you that I love my stuff. I do, I do. I, I see it sometimes and I think, oh, I have such a good life. Look at all the things around me. And you know, Jesus knew this was, I'm not, sorry, I have to tell you, I'm not the only one. I think we can all admit that there's been a time in our life, if not right now, that we've thought, I'm so happy that I have these items in my life. I know we struggle with this. And, and Jesus knew that we were going to struggle with this. You heard me, right? Jesus knew that money and buying things were going to be an issue for you and for me. Did you know that Jesus speaks about money and material possessions more than he speaks about worship, prayer, scripture, and study combined in the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He talks about money and material possessions more. He knew this was going to be an issue. Earlier in our scripture reading in Matthew 6, um, I have to tell you that this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. When the Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew chapter 5, this is what it says. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So the Sermon on the Mount is a teaching experience. He sits there and he says, this is all of the things that you need to know to live a life, a Christian life. To live a life that follows me, this is what you need to know. And he took the time and that, that time that he had everyone's attention to say, do not store up for yourselves items on earth, but store up for yourself items in heaven. God desires our devotion, and he knows that we will battle the temptation of money. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, we're reminded the following. Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. There are some times that I read the Bible, and I stop, and I say, wait, what did that just say? And I go back and I have to read it over and over again. And it's not that I don't know what it said. I can read words. I graduated from school. But it's because I need to be reminded and listen and hear it. It says that your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Man, Jesus, sometimes he just really gives us things to think about. That's a hard one. My poor husband, he oftentimes hears me um, Month after month, something different. Okay, so one month it's, hey, Skylar, um, I really think that I'm ready to buy a new car, um, and I'm ready to buy a new car. And so then I spend that time looking at new cars, and I have found several that I like. And then the next month I'm like, that's not a good purchase decision right now because I want to buy a house. So then I get on this, like, you know, I'm going to tell you, I spend a lot of time on Realtor.com and Zillow, and I look at homes and I think, if only I had this house, this is what it would look like. I, I would decorate it this way. I would do this thing. And, and, and poor guy, I mean, he doesn't just hear me say, like, I want small items. It's like big items every single month. And he's gotten to the point that he just doesn't respond because he knows that the next month it will change. It's hard. 
So I have to tell you that, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned that I'm spending time looking at these homes, and, and I have a great house. I do. And one time I, I was asleep because I do a lot of my thinking, some of my best thinking, I think, when I sleep. And my husband is, a, I mentioned, a personal trainer. He leaves rather early in the morning, and I like more sleep. So I, I wake up, say, have a good day, and then I go back to sleep. And in those 30 minutes, I don't understand how, why this happens, but I sleep best in those 30 minutes between the time that he leaves and the time that I have to wake up. Um, but I, was having, I had a dream the other day during that time. It woke me up, and it was one of those dreams that woke me up, and I went, oh, thank goodness that was a dream. I had a dream that I was in this home, and it was dilapidated. It was falling down. It was like literally a shack. So if you close your eyes right now and you imagine that the, the, the windows weren't real windows and the ground was falling apart, and, it, and it's one of those homes that you really see and you're like, no one actually lives in that house. And I woke up, and I thought, oh, thank goodness this is my home. If that was not a wake-up call, literally, from God, I don't know what was. Because I woke up in that moment and I looked around and I said, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a roof over my head and a heater at that time. Thank you. As we think of our treasures on earth, the things that, we will, eventually, that will eventually lose their value, rust away or get stolen, I want us to start asking ourselves this. Do I own these possessions? Or do my possessions own me? I had the opportunity to walk through this sermon with Pastor Mark this past week, and I loved the way he put it. He said, your items, your earthly treasures, they don't care how you're doing as a person. But Jesus does. And if you've ever talked to Pastor Mark, you know when he has something good to say, he like, and and I said, you're right. Your earthly possessions aren't going to say, hey, friend, how are you doing today? I care about your heart and your soul, but Jesus will. I think the simplest way for us to understand what Jesus means is that we need to put our time and our money into the things that will ultimately give us a better life. And that's not material items. Sometimes material items give us a better life for that point in time, but the newness wears off. I know this. I'm a youth director, and after Christmas, all of the kids are really excited about what they have, and then a few months later, they're on to whatever they want next. It's just how we're hardwired. You know, this isn't an easy concept. I've said this. It's It's not an easy concept to remember that one's life does not consist in the abundance of our professions. In today's society, we're unable to escape the constant messages that come to us. You need the newest iPhone. This new car came out you need to buy. Heck, I bought, I don't have them with me today because I've been told you can't actually see my feet. But um, I, <laughs> I, I gained the, the youth group, Youth Leader 15, while being at this church. I blame the donut holes. Um, but I decided I'm going to buy a pair of running shoes and I'm going to lose weight. And I've had those running shoes for a month and a half now. And the darn things have not taken any weight off my body yet. They have not made me more athletic. So I have to tell you, I graduated from Oklahoma State University um, in, in 2016 with a degree in multimedia journalism and advertising. I know the work that goes in to making someone believe that they need an item. 
It goes from an I think I want this to an I need it, and I know the work that goes into it. So the other day I was sitting in the living room. My home is like 900 square feet, so it doesn't matter where you sit. Like, everybody can hear what you're saying. So I was sitting in my living room as Skylar was off, and I said, hey, I think I want to buy a new runner for my hallway, for our hallway. And, you know, our hallway doesn't need a runner, but I don't like my feet to be cold in the morning. So I was like, it's really good to go from carpet in the bedroom, carpet in the hallway, to the bathroom. And um, I said, I think I need this. And then this is what happened. One, two, three, four advertisements on my social media account that day. I had another one this morning when I was surfing the web. All different rug companies. I said it out loud, and I had advertisements come on my social media account. So do you want to know what went through my head? Hey, Skylar, I think we need to buy a rug for the hallway. It went from an I want to a we need. Because to me, this was telling, I mean, look at that dog, right? This was just telling me that we needed this item. And I have to tell you, the only reason, and I really mean this, the only reason that I did not buy this rug is because we're hoping to buy a house. And it went through my, my mind and I thought, hmm, I wonder if this $150 runner will actually work in the new home that we buy. Like that is what, that's what stopped me. I'm making myself sound really bad, but it's true. We all face this. So I was doing some, in my day of research for this sermon topic, I was, uh, I got curious, so I Googled, and um, this is an article that I found. Self-storage, how warehouses for personal junk became a $38 billion industry. One in 11 Americans pay for space to store the material overflow of the American dream. 38 billion dollars. That is insane. I have a family friend that has more than four, five, more than four storage units of items. I'm not judging you if you're watching, but it's crazy to think that we have a home and we also have a storage unit. When I was a senior, my family moved from in town to a home in the country, and it's a, it was a beautiful house in town. It's been a, in my family forever, and um, so we, we weren't selling it, and we left a, probably like a whole house full of stuff still in that house and still moved and had a house full of things, so I get it. The article, this article continues to go on, and it says that despite recessions and demographic shifts, the self-storage lockers have proven to be one of the safest bets in real estate over the last half century. Customers spend an average of $91.14 a month for their storage unit. So, I was curious. $91.14 times 12, so for a whole year, is $1,093.68. To send junior high campers, so going into 6th grade and going into 8th grade campers to journey camp, it costs $290 a camper. So I did the math. I, I said, okay, if I was going to spend this much money, I'm going to divide it by 290. I think that's how I did it. I'm not, I got a journalism degree. Um, and and I, I did it on the calculator. Um, but it came out to this. I could send 3.77 kids to camp 
on a full-ride scholarship. I don't know where I'm going to find .77 kid, but I will find it. If you've ever been to camp, you know that it is the most magical experience in the world. We're not just sending kids to camp so they can play in the mud pit, although that is fun. But we're sending kids to camp so they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, there is a song that says, where heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. And to me, church camp has always been that place on this earth that it is a direct connection between heaven and earth. It was my favorite thing to do as a youth and as an adult. I absolutely love going to camp each summer. I will never miss going to camp at least, once, at least one camp in a summer. So instead of having a storage unit for a whole year, a person could have the, the opportunity to send 3.77 kids to a life-changing camp. Something that is bigger than all of us. You know, I believe that God made us to be generous people. I think that we are made to be generous with our love, our patience, our grace, our words, our time, and our money. As Pastor Mark mentioned earlier, I work full-time at the Regional Food Bank of Oklahoma, and I previously was a fundraiser there, and now I am in charge of volunteer engagement. So working with two different types of generosity, generosity of money and generosity of time. In the fundraising world, we use a lot of acronyms, and one of my favorites was YMAD, Y-M-A-D. Took me a really long time to figure out what that is and used Google, but it means you made a difference. So we write these into our stewardship plans, so we make sure to remind everybody that they made a difference with their time and their money. Oftentimes, I would pick up the phone, um, and, and with the food banking world, it's very obvious the difference that you made. You helped provide food to put in people's bellies, to put in children's bellies. So I would oftentimes call and say, I want to thank you for your gift, no matter the size, big or small, because you made a difference. I have to tell you that never, ever in my you made a difference calls, my YMAD calls, did I have someone come back and say, Natalie... I'm actually very mad that I chose to give to an organization, to a nonprofit. It makes me so mad. I'm losing sleep over it. No, they never said that. They said, it is my joy. It is my pleasure to be able to give. Because they were filled with joy to be able to give to something greater than themselves. I know that... Um, my favorite part of that job was that right there, to be filled with other people's excitement because they were able to give to a cause greater than themselves. So only ever in my life did I understand it from the fundraiser's point of view, and it wasn't until I think about, it was a year ago, that I started to understand it as a donor. So I graduated from Oklahoma State University in 2016. My husband and I were engaged um, right before then. I started at the food bank actually a week before I graduated. So don't let anybody tell you that I'm lazy because I'm not. I started a week before I graduated, and I was making a nice, livable, but very entry-level income. 
Skyler was still in school at the University of Central Oklahoma, and he would continue to be in school until this past summer of August 2019. Yeah. And um, it was probably the hardest season of our lives. Here you're so excited, you're, you're young. Skylar and I have been in a relationship before we got married for six years. This year we'll celebrate our ninth year. And, um, and so we had been in this relationship and we were moving on to marriage and we were so excited. And then all of a sudden, not only were we married, but we were adults. Uh, we were adults and we had to pay for things like rent and electric. And homegirl likes to eat, so we had to pay for a lot of food, and it was so scary. I know that you guys have probably been through a time like this. We are not unique. We aren't. There's always a season of our life that feels like this is going to get us down. And for us, it was a financial season. During that time, we would oftentimes, and I am not telling you to do this. This is bad advice, okay? We don't do it anymore. But during that time, we would often just close our eyes and, and just like guess with our finances. We would close our eyes and say, I got to pay this. Hopefully there's money in the account. And I was too scared to face reality. I didn't check. Skylar did because he's a lot better about that than I am. But I didn't check because I knew I needed to pay for this. So we were, we were struggling. I mean, I love Skylar, and like I mentioned earlier, your money in your bank account does not determine the amount of love you have for somebody, um, but it was a hard time. I had been volunteering with the youth. I volunteered with the youth two years before being hired here, and um, Andy Nelms actually asked me if I wanted to join Disciple, and I am so glad that he did. And if you have ever been in the Disciple Bible Study at this church, it is a life-changing Bible study. And um, there is a week that it says, hey, as a, as a small group, you need to start figuring out how you're going to give financially to the church because that's what God calls you to do, to support the kingdom of God. So, so I'm, you know, we were challenged to think about what that looked like in our lives. So just about the same time that that happened, there are no coincidences in this world. I'm just going to tell you that. The same time that that happened, Pastor Mark came up to me on a Wednesday and he said, Natalie, I want you to serve on the administrative council. I want you to serve on ad council and I want you to be our missions rep. But I just need to let you know that anyone on ad council is expected, because this is what we do if we're going to lead the church, we're expected to make at least a, t a tithe, a tithe of 10%. I looked at him in the eyes, and I was sweating and clamming up, and I said, yes, sir. But I was excited. I was excited that he was asking me to do something bigger than myself. So I went home, and I told Skylar, I said, Skylar, Pastor Mark wants me to serve as the missions rep. This is awesome because I love mission. Oh, and he wants us to give 10% of our income. And Skylar said, what? And I said, yes, we need a tithe. We already knew this was something we needed to do anyway, so let's, let's figure it out. I'm a yes person. Skylar's a realist. We sat down and I said, okay, we really do need to talk about this. If we were going to do this, this is what it would look like. And remember, during this time, we were doing this to our finances. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to know where we are. I forgot to mention, Skylar was working a part-time job, but it was very part-time while he was a student. So we prayed. For the first time as a couple in eight years at that point, we prayed. We said, God, if we love this church. 
this, we moved to, to Edmond, and all of our family lives in northeastern Oklahoma. All of them. And this church has become our family. I told Pastor Mark this morning, I said, Mark, I have to tell you, you're kind of like a father figure to me. And that's a good thing because it's comfort, it's peace to be around family. And so we knew that it was our turn. Even though this whole time we thought we were too young, let the old people tithe. Well, the old is kind of a rude word. Let, let the older people tithe. We don't have kids yet. He's still in school. It's not the right time for us. Let others tithe. And we were, we were reminded by God that that wasn't the truth. So around this same time that I chose to, to, to make a small tithe, um, my job changed at the food bank. My job changed, and I got a pay increase. And it was like, whoa, what a steadfast God that we worship. See, at that very beginning, we decided that we were going to um, give a little bit of a smaller amount to understand what it felt like to give. And we chose $15 a week. I knew that that wasn't a lot, but for us, it was. And I have to tell you, guess what happened after we decided to give $15 a week to the church? Nothing. Nothing happened. And I don't mean that in the sense of nothing at the church happened because it did. But in my life, I still had a house. I still had food, a lot of it. I still had the things that I needed in my life. Choosing to give $15 a week for us at that time meant that we stopped eating out dinner twice in a month. That's all it took. I was so giddy. I was so happy. I wanted to tell the world about it, not because I wanted to boast, but because it was exciting to allow God to work in your life and to pass over that fear. To say, here you go, God. It's yours. I have to tell you that never in my life did I think that I would be a youth director. When I was a junior at church camp, actually, I got a calling on my life that I felt at that moment. I felt it. God said, Natalie, I have something bigger planned for you. I have had preachers throughout my life say, Natalie, you can run from God's calling all you want, but he will bring you right back to it. I truly believe that in your life, God uses you at different points in your life. Right now, God is choosing to use me as a youth director, and I'm so glad that I said, here I am, God, use me. I love the youth at this church. I know from the moment that they walk into this door, by the look on their face, if they are having a good day, a bad day, or if they are just flat out sad. I see it in their eyes before their mouth even opens. I've addressed some youth and said, what is wrong? And then they start bawling to tell me that this happened in their life and that they need guidance. I see it. But one thing I need you to know is that their demeanor when they walk through the doors is not always the same when they leave. And by that I mean is that when youth come either here, and I, I keep saying here is in a building, but really it means together, they walk out happy, excited, jumping all over the place sometimes. Like, it's so, so exciting that you can't help but as their youth director to walk out being so 
thrilled and excited. It takes me hours to go to bed on Wednesday night, and not because I'm tired or not tired and like thinking, but because I'm like filled with the excitement that your youth, that your children have, have poured into me and the volunteers that help here. I can sit here and tell you all of this, tell you how um, we have helped youth during this time and during this time. But what I want you to know is that when I say we, I really mean you. You help the youth. This past week, I asked the youth virtually, not in person, if um, they would share with me and answer two questions. The first being, what does Acts 2 United Methodist Church mean to you? And the second, what would you do if you did not have youth? So we're going to read. I'm going to read to you what they said. Acts 2 means family. And I don't think a life without family would be very good. Acts 2 is my second home. It is the place where I can be myself and feel the love of God in everyone around me. Without Acts 2, I don't think I would believe or have faith in God. The church has helped me with my faith walk beyond measures by helping me confirm my faith and act on it by going on mission trips and serving around our community. Acts 2 is like a second home to me. I've made so many new friends, and I always look forward to talking with my small group on Wednesday nights. Without Acts 2, I literally would not get out of bed after school, and I wouldn't be as close to God or my friend's smiley face. To me, Acts 2 means family. It means security and unconditional love. Everyone knows everyone and wants to be involved in each other's lives. It's a group of people that all live for God and takes care of one another. And to me personally, it's my happy place. Acts 2 means home to me. It's a safe place surrounded with love and welcoming people. A place where I can go whenever I need help. Someone to talk to or just an escape from the craziness and stress of life for a little bit. You see, brothers and sisters of Christ, on this very first Sunday that we are unable to worship together under this roof, I have to tell you that these words have nothing to do with the building that we're standing in. It has everything to do with the people that we are and our hearts and the generosity that we choose to give, whether that be through your time, your money, or whatever have you. These youth find security, family, and a happy place because of you. Acts 2, you make a difference. You make a difference in the lives of youth and people all around you. Today we've talked about generosity, and I think it's important that we figure out how can we walk this out. How do we, how do we live this in our everyday life? So my action steps for you, and I'm going to add on to the action steps that Miss Megan gave our kids earlier because I think that what she shared is also important for us to do. I, I want you to think about this. Do not spend your whole life accumulating wealth just to watch it disappear. Just to watch it 
go away with the crash of the stock market. Just to watch it go away because COVID-19 is here. Do not have your faith live with your money. Have faith in God. And the second is this. Do five generous acts this month. You may be looking at your screen right now telling me, Natalie, we're told to stay inside. How shall I do five generous acts this month? Here in a moment, you're going to be given the opportunity to make your tithe to the church, to, to give to the church. That's one way. Last night, I didn't want to cook dinner, so I ordered from a local restaurant so they could still live and have money during this time. That's another way. So as a family, after we're done here today, I want you to sit around, and even if you don't have kids or you do have kids, it doesn't matter. I want you to be in community and talk with each other and say, how are we going to give and have five generous acts this month? I want to leave you with this. We see it in Acts chapter 20, verses 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Will you please join me in the prayer on your screen? Thank you, God, for everything I have. I recognize that all of life is a gift from you. Please help me to become more generous, more willing to share with others. Help me to live beneath my means so that I might have enough margin to give. Help me to be generous toward you and others, remembering your unending generosity toward me. Now at this time, I ask you to bow your heads as we remember this prayer that God taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.